ADHD Rewired bonus episode. It is the end of October 2014, which means it is ADHD Awareness Month. So today's episode is a bonus edition, an extra one, a thank you for being awesome and for listening. Today's episode is an ADHD 101 episode, and this is all I'm going to say to set it up. Enjoy. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of ADHD Rewired. This is a special episode because it is ADHD Awareness Month. And this is the first solo episode that I have done in quite some time. Now, it's kind of funny. I was recently asked, someone messaged me on Facebook and asked me if I had an ADHD 101 Um, episode that can help somebody else understand a little more about ADHD. And I thought about it and said, no, no, I don't have an ADHD 101 episode because I sprinkle all things about ADHD throughout all of the episodes. So we don't always start in logical order, but I'm going to do it today with an ADHD 101 episode. What really is ADHD? So here is, I think, a... I want to start off with an analogy here. So remember in school when we learned that there were three branches of government, you know, the executive, legislative, and judicial branches, and then we were told how laws got passed, and then later we learned that while this is true on the surface, in reality it's much more complex than that, because before legislation... Uh, ever goes through our three branches of government, it gets whiplashed and modified and influenced through committees and subcommittees and lobbyists and uh, political action committees, corporate donors and media and spinsters and secret back room negotiations and meetings and, and so on. I hope I haven't lost you yet. So there's political science, like we learned in grade school when we took our constitution tests, and then there's politics which is an increasingly complicated, slightly mysterious thing that we aren't always uh, sure how it really is, doesn't always, uh, isn't always what it really seems like. Well, what does this have to do with ADHD? Well, it has to do with ADHD because that is a lot like ADHD. On the surface, there is the constitutional description of ADHD, which is written in a book called the DSM-5, or the Diagnostic Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, 5th edition. So just like the Constitution, it's had a number of revisions, amendments, additions, and deletions. Some have been good and others questionable. I'm not saying that the DSM description of ADHD is not accurate, What I am saying is that it doesn't really tell the whole story of what ADHD, Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder, really is. But since it's ADHD Awareness Month, I thought it would be a good idea, now that I've recorded over 30 episodes, that maybe I should have an episode where I explain a bit about what ADHD actually is. So a while back, I attempted to record an episode about executive functioning, but I ended up boring myself to death with how I was presenting it, so I scrapped it. 
And then one thing led to another, and well, you get it. Here we are. So what is ADHD? ADHD is Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder. The way it is broken up, according to the DSM, it's broken up in two main areas. So the first are the symptoms of inattention and distractibility, and the second are the symptoms of hyperactivity and impulsivity. I first want to talk about the first presentation of ADHD, what I call ADHD without the H. And I think what a lot of people just call ADD. The DSM-5 calls it ADHD, predominantly inattentive presentation. And this term presentation is actually a change from the DSM-4 when it was referred to as a subtype. Now, this might be splitting hairs, and maybe you're wondering, well, why the change? Maybe it was to sell more books. Well, maybe that's part of it, but not really. The real reason is, is that studies have shown that the presentations basically don't stay the same over time, so that it actually made more sense to move to a presentation instead of a subtype. One suggests a static diagnosis, as in the subtyping system, or the other more dynamic. And if there's one thing we know about people with ADHD, especially over time, is we are dynamic. Now, it is important to understand that having one, two, three, or even four of these symptoms does not mean a person has ADHD. Constitutionally speaking, a person needs to have at least five out of nine symptoms if they're an adult, or six out of nine symptoms if they're a child, according to the DSM. And there are a total of 18 symptoms, half of them are the in the inattentive type, and the other half are, are in the hyperactive and impulsive subtype. So I do think that this was a good amendment because ADHD is a developmental delay of key areas of the brain, primarily in the prefrontal cortex. So it makes sense that as a person gets older, the, symptom, the symptoms would actually become less impairing. It used to be thought that on a, a boy's 16th birthday, they would be given the gift of cured because you can't have ADHD as an adult. It's only a childhood disorder. So they used to think, oh, were they wrong? So there are nine features of the inattentive presentation of ADHD. And what you need to know about these symptoms are is that they need to be present for at least six months, and they need to be kind of off par from what you would expect for somebody at that specific age or that developmental level. There also needs to be a history going back to childhood of these symptoms. Now, here's where there were some changes, but it's there's still a lot of nuances and disagreements about this. It used to be that the DSM said you have to have uh, symptoms presented by the arbitrary age of seven. And now they moved it to the arbitrary age of 12. Basically, the way I think about this is they need to be presented before puberty. 
And I know that there are people who say even then there are um, some nuanced differences and just putting a date or an age doesn't really uh, uh, share the dynamic and contextual differences. But that was a positive change in the DSM by increasing the age of presentations uh, of symptom presentation. Okay, so the other piece to the diagnosis is that the symptoms need to be present in multiple places. So for kids, they need to be present at school and at home um, and maybe affecting them in their social uh, in their social life. For adults, the same thing for at work, um, at, uh, at home and in other areas. Now, the one problem with that is, is that for adults, if you have a job that you love and really tailors to all your strengths, you may not have that level of impairment um, in your workplace. So, again, this is all the what I'm going to describe to you here are the DSM or constitutional uh, descriptions of ADHD. The first part, which I mentioned, are the inattentive symptoms, include the nine following symptoms. And the one thing that's also good about the new DSM is that it gives some better examples that really help explain uh, what was intended in the original writing of the DSM. Um, and I'm going to share some of those. So the first one is fails to give close attention to detail or makes careless mistakes. So a person might overlook or miss details uh, in their work. And, you know, often their work is, uh, has inaccuracies in it. And also for all of these items too, the key element is that this happens often. Okay, so number one was, oft, was often fails to get close attention to detail and makes careless mistakes. Number two, has difficulty sustaining attention. So here's how this might look. It's about, um, about 12 or so minutes into this podcast and you've already tuned me out. Unless you're interested in what I'm saying. So how this may also look as it could be difficult to stay focused, maybe during lectures or uh, in conversations, or if you have to read something of length. So difficulty staying focused during something that, that you have to do for a long period of time, um, especially if there's not a high level of interest. Number three, does not appear to listen when spoken, when spoken to. So this, the way this may appear is that um, you're, maybe your mind kind of goes somewhere else and it's not that you're distracted by something around you. So um, it's that you're paying attention to just anything else um, and it's not necessarily obvious where your distraction is. Number four, there are struggles to follow through on instructions or finish tasks to completion. And the DSM uh, adds the, uh, the nuance saying that this is not due to not understanding the task and not due to oppositional defiant disorder, which I'm not going to go into right now. Um, but they talk about in the DSM, they say that um, you know, a person with this feature may start tasks, but quickly loses focus and gets uh, sidetracked by other things. Number five, 
has a difficulty with organization. So this includes tasks, time, and material. The DSM describes it saying that the person might have difficulty managing uh, the sequence of tasks, uh, difficulty keeping materials and belongings in order, messy, disorganized work, poor time management, fails to meet deadlines. And if we're all kind of listening, going, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yes, so that is symptom five in the inattention category. Symptom six, avoids or dislikes tasks, tasks requiring a lot of thinking or mental effort for a long period of time. So I, this is basically where the procrastination on paperwork comes in. What the DSM says is this affects uh, kids with their schoolwork or homework, uh, with teens and adults. It can impact us in our ability to um, prepare for reports or completing or reviewing lengthy papers. I Paperwork is my arch nemesis. I put it off way more often than I wish I did. Uh, number seven, often loses things. Things like your school supplies or keys, wallet, um, credit cards, uh, paperwork, glasses, your phone. Um, we know what this all entails. Number eight, easily distracted. And one of the, I think, interesting nuances that they added in this DSM is that they talk about for teens and adults that this may include distraction by unrelated thoughts. And this has been true for me for a long, long time. You know, my thoughts have thoughts and they have thoughts about those thoughts. And often those thoughts have nothing to do with what I'm working on. Number nine, is forgetful in daily activities. So during chores or running errands, um, paying bills, returning phone calls, keeping appointments. So these things that we need to remember, we're often forgetful in. So those are the nine symptoms as described in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. So the, the uh, constitutional definition. Now, remember for adults, they change it from six of those nine to five of those nine. Now, just because you have five or six or more of those features does not necessarily mean you have ADHD. These symptoms, again, have to be present for more than six months, and there has to be a history of this in childhood. There's also other elements that need to be ruled out, and also an, an official diagnosis does need to be made by a, a trained clinician uh, because it's not just about this checklist. It is also about the, the, a lot of the nuances and how people will answer questions. Okay, um, goes on tangents, I think was in there somewhere. Um, check. The next area of ADHD is the hyperactive impulsive presentation. And now this is actually broken up in, in two areas. So the first six of these has to do with hyperactivity. The, the uh, last three has to do with impulsivity. So number one in hyperactivity and impulsivity, do you fidget a lot? Do you squirm in your chair? then check. One of the things that I do is I, I'm constantly picking my, my especially my thumbnails. And I, I don't even, uh, I'm not even fully conscious when I'm doing it. 
um, I'll be sitting next to my wife. We'll be watching TV, and she'll like, put her hand on my hand, and because I can, because she tells me that she can see it out of the corner of her eye, or she can feel me moving when I'm doing it, and it bugs her. So I try to stop, and then I stop for like 30 seconds, and then I start back up again, and I don't even mean to. So fidgets. Number two, has a difficulty remaining seated. I never really had a problem with that. My problem has always been getting myself off the couch. Number three, runs about or climbs excessively. And that would be a feature in children. In adults, there is a the description of restlessness in teens and adults. So there's a this kind of inability or difficulty with basically just being uncomfortable with being still for a long period of time. Uh, this could happen in restaurants and meetings. Um, and other people may experience this as, um, as would describe you as a person who is difficult to keep up with. Number four is difficulty engaging in activities quietly. So maybe making more noise than you realize that you're making. Number five, acts as if driven by a motor. Adults will often feel inside like they were driven by a motor. I think that in some ways this is also can include our thinking. So um, always having to do something, that, that constant to-do list, that, that difficulty with just sitting still. Number six, talks excessively. I'm a podcaster, so I guess I could say check. Uh, okay, so those are the six features of hyperactivity. Then there is the impulsivity. So the three features of impulsivity described in the DSM are blurts out answers before uh, questions have been completed. The second one is difficulty waiting turns. And for adults, this might mean if you have a long line, you maybe went shopping, it took you two hours to do the, all the shopping, and then your line is long, so you leave the store. I've done that before. Number three is uh, interrupts or intrudes upon others. So maybe uh, butting into conversations, games, or activities. Um, and these are all things that are described in the, in the DSM, and I think this edition of the DSM describes a lot more of the features um, than in prior versions of the DSM. So in this one, it says that uh, you know, a person may also start uh, using other people's things without asking or receiving permission. Um, for teens and adults, may intrude or, or take over what other people are doing. So those are the, the two areas. But then you have what is called the combined presentation. And that's where you have a combination of both of these. And statistically speaking, most people fall under the combined presentation. Now, when I first got diagnosed, I really considered myself to just have the the uh, inattentive, what we now call the subtype, or, or I'm sorry, the um, inattentive presentation of ADHD. But the more I really understood ADHD on a deeper and deeper level, I recognized a lot of the other symptoms in myself as well especially the impulsivity piece. Um, you know, I like to, uh, you know, I have answers that I want to give. I have ideas. Um, you know, I have, um, and I always feel like I have to be doing something. 
So I think there's hyperactivity of body and then hyperactivity of mind. And, you know, so there is that. Now, so this is, again, the DSM, why I call it the, the constitutional definition. It's the technical definition of ADHD as described in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. So the problem with this is, though, is that it's still being described as a beha through behavioral characteristics. Now, we know that there are differences in group study in both brain um, and brain, functional brain imaging scans. And there is even a mention in the DSM and the kind of the subtext about having, um, uh, I think it's lower uh, alpha waves. I'm actually going to grab my, oh, fuck yes, it's that heavy. Um, but what did it say about the alpha waves? Because I was reviewing this again. Here, let me just read you. So I apologize if this is boring, um, but I think that part of ADHD awareness is uh, really understanding what what is in this book and then being able to differentiate, okay, what is, what's in the book and what is what actually happens. Okay, so... Um, so no biological marker is diagnostic for ADHD as a group compared to with peers. Children with ADHD display increased slow wave electro, I can never pronounce this word, electroencephalogram, encephal, electroencephalograms, I think that's like the EEG, um, have reduced total brain volume on magnetic resonance imaging and a possible in a delay in the posterior and anterior cortical maturation. But these findings are not diagnostic. And this is why things like the SPECT scan that, um, you know, people like uh, Dr. Daniel Amen, you know, who are talking about how the SPECT scan in some ways is diagnostic you know, it really isn't. We'd see in group studies there are differences. However, um, it is not to the point where um, uh, where it can be diagno diagnosed on a single case. So um, not that I'm, I'm saying anything bad about Dr. Amen, because I think he's done a lot of, of really good things. I like his uh, adult, one of his adult uh, assessments. Because um, it really breaks things down in a very, where um, it really understands ADHD. He has one category in his assessment called "The harder I try, the the worse I do." Um, when I first saw that, I was like, "This is a guy who understands ADHD." So, I'm not going to go on any more tangents now. I just wanted to share with you a kind of an ADHD 101 um, kind of explanation, and I hope that you guys enjoyed this. This was a more technical uh, episode, a different episode than I normally make. Um, but I think that there's a lot of people who have never actually seen the criteria in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual. So we've come a long way, but we still have a long way to go. ADHD used to be called Minimal Brain Dysfunction. How do you like that? So we've come, we've come a long way. 
Uh, ADD has not been a diagnostic term in some 30, uh, some thir- uh, some 30 years. And, um, but a lot of people still use it. I think that, um, you know, the nuances of language, uh, I think there are some, uh, I think there's some important elements to it. I think that it's good to use the um, ADHD and then just describe without the H. You know, I used to describe myself as ADD um, or as having ADD. I, uh, even in my very first business card, I, I actually wrote ADHD slash ADD. And now I just do ADHD. Um, but, you know, I don't know. I, to be honest with you, I guess I'm on the fence. I use ADHD because professionally that is the medical term. But I think that there are people who will hear ADHD and say, oh, I'm not hyperactive, so I don't have ADHD. And the, you know, technically speaking, as I said earlier, if you have ADHD, you don't need to have an H. So the ADD person, the person with ADD, is or does have a, um, I just completely lost my train of thought. And with that, happy ADHD Awareness Month. Spread the awareness by sharing this podcast or something else related to ADHD with others. As with the right kind of information that is based on science uh, and, and research, Education is one of the most powerful parts of managing your ADHD. So I'm not going to bore you anymore. I hope you're having a great October and check out my Facebook page for more ADHD awareness uh, tips and stuff like that. Goodbye. Well, ADHD Rewired Community, are you ready for the shortest outro in the history of this show? If you liked it, go onto iTunes or Stitcher and leave me a review and thank you in advance. If you want more information about this podcast or services, including coaching or therapy, go to erictivers.com or ADHDrewired.com. See you next week.